I think for me, I'm always trying to get back to being that kid in my room mm -hmm. and, and sketching and drawing. And I'm, I think someone who can sketch even just a little bit or has like nice handwriting, I don't know, I trust that person more. I'm Brandon Dawson, and this is The Distiller, a podcast about how we find meaningful work and how we find meaning in the work we do. My guest for this episode is Jason Snell. Jason is currently the creative director for BLDG Refuge, a creative agency in Cincinnati, well, actually just across the Ohio River in Covington, Kentucky. But his creativity isn't about a job. Jason is an artist, a visual designer, a musician and a performer, a maker of creative things. He's one of these guys who's creative at his core and has spent his life finding ways to make that creativity into his work. And most recently, he's one of the artists who participated in Blink, a huge Cincinnati arts and culture festival that has drawn over a million and a half people to downtown Cincinnati in each of its first two years. But we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Jason and I hung out over coffee on a Thursday morning in downtown Cincinnati at Fausto at the CAC. Fausto is the brainchild of brothers Tony and Austin Ferrari. After a dozen years creating restaurants in San Francisco, Tony moved back to his hometown to work with his little brother, and Fausto is just one of the brothers' ventures that are going strong in Cincinnati. It's located inside the iconic Contemporary Arts Center in downtown Cincinnati, and Fausto is part morning coffee shop, midday cafe, part California-inspired cuisine in the evening. Check out our website for photos by Angie Lipscomb as you listen to get a sense of the space. For people who do client work and corporate work, there's often a tug of war between the demands of the big client and the desire to do the more personal, passion-driven work. For Jason, these go hand in hand. He's doing the big jobs, but he's also made it a point to stay close to home, literally and figuratively, in his work. As someone who struggles with these questions, I enjoyed getting Jason's unique perspective on the balance between paying the bills and doing creative work that fills your soul. For Jason, that's about being in the community of art and design here in Cincinnati in ways that go beyond making a living and start to be about defining culture. Jason's work is ultimately about communication and visual elements that tell a story, and that starts with his story. So let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Jason Snell on The Distiller. Cheers, bud. Hey, cheers. Good morning, and thanks for, thanks for making it over. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I'm excited to talk to you because, number one, the stuff that you do is stuff that I like and care about. Oh, and that's I've, cool. I've been an admirer of your work, and I'm like just stoked to, to talk to you. But then the, um, the sort of piecing together of what you do, I'm really excited to talk about how you yeah. think about that. Well, thank you so much. You're too kind. Yeah, man. Well, let's start off. Tell in as, as uh, detailed or succinct a way as you want to make it. What What is your work? Not what is your job, but oh, like, yeah. what is the work you do? What's the work I do? You know, it changes, right? So, And I think it should change. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been changing for the past 20 years, getting out of school and everything. Uh -huh. um, you know, I guess to take to walk backwards, I guess. Sure, go for uh, it. You know, coming down from, you know, just Dayton, Ohio, came to Cincinnati. Um I didn't know what I was doing. My Did you just come down for school? Yeah, my teacher was like, hey, you should check out design. I'm like, all right, I like to draw everything. You know, uh -huh. I remember as a kid, when I got in trouble, my parents would literally take away <laughs> pencils and crayons and I couldn't draw my Star Wars posters. Oh, that's rough. And, you know, yeah, that, I was, that pissed me off. So anyway, so I came down in Cincinnati. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, mm -hmm. I kind of 
turned down like a smaller football opportunity. I was like in a small school. I'm like, that's not really me. You know, I want to figure out this design thing. Uh, what does this mean? What is art? Uh, I'm going to UC and DAP and mm-hmm. kind of learned a lot of what not to do in the first couple of years, as I'm sure every kid does. Sure. Um, That's part of, part of going to college. Yeah, yeah. So getting out of there, um, man, all kind of stuff just started happening. Like, um, just to date myself here, uh, like 9-11 happened, you right, know, which was right. really crazy at the time. Um, While you were in school or just after? Yeah, just after. Okay. And then... And, you know, I'm, I'm living with bandmates, right? So we're trying to do this band thing, uh-huh. try to figure out what art is. Um, and then also the riots happened here in Cincinnati. Right. So it was kind of like this mass exodus of all these creatives right. here in town. And, you know, we were thought we were going to be the next cool band. So we <laughs> just tried to ride that. Uh, but it was, it, it really kind of put things in perspective of like that, like, you know, hustle and, and mm-hmm. that sort of fight to get clients and no one was hiring. Yeah. So what does that really, you know, what does that mean to actually get a job and a job in the creative field and things like that? So it was a lot of trial by fire. Um, you know, I, I kept hanging on to Cincinnati saying there's, you know, you know, a lot of friends here from college, you know, this underbelly of, of yeah. art that was still sticking around after the exodus of designers to other places and things like that. And and, you know, there was, there was opportunity where um, just through freelance and things like that, kind of went to um, Seattle and Austin for a couple projects. Uh, but it wasn't really until um, I got a, a real agency job okay. um, from FRCH and the Bray Berlin guys, Dan and Steve there, uh, that I kind of got my feet wet in this and was like, man, this is really cool. Okay. So getting into agencies, working at a lot of different agencies and, and seeing like the good and the bad and the terrible and the beautifulness and everything about that sort of industry um, kind of made me rethink about what is my work, right. which I think is your original question sure. with that. So I really just dove into what does the community mean to me and how, hmm. how, how does an artist live in a community and what can an artist do in a community? So you know, that whole thing with like Hale Foundation popped up and People's Liberty and it really started to make me think like you can be an artist and do really cool things for your neighbor. Right. And that's why I really wanted to put a storefront um, and come up with a crazy name and stick in town, and st- stick in town you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, one was my wife, Sarah, who moved back from school from Portland to have her dream job of helping to change over the Rhine. And I kind of took that and said, man, this is really cool. Let's there's, there's some bubbling up now of creatives and figuring out how we can get paid here in town. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I think my work has sort of transformed from like trying to be in bands and make music to, um, and to try to be really disruptive to now uh, getting older and saying, how can I help those bands? How can I help younger right, artists right. and still be disruptive, but do cool things enough to, you know, have a kid myself and pay for yeah. those things as we talking about earlier. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're sort of the, uh, I, I, I don't even want to say this, like becoming the elder statesman of that art and design yeah, community. Yeah, I kind of love that because yeah. I never thought I would be that. But, right. um, you know, I, I think there's something uh, important in that to mm-hmm. kind of help out with the younger kids and, and guide a little bit. You know, that sort of mentoring, coaching role. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, in I've taught a couple classes at the Art Academy, and that kind of put things in perspective as far as like, whoa, I am getting old here, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, 
you can still get crazy and do anything you want. You know, you can now you can kind of wear a little bit of the uh, I'm an old man hat and right. get away with it, right. rather than I'm the young kid and I'm I'm a rebel. But all those things are still there. Yeah. You know? I was talking to somebody that I worked with at at, uh, at agencies here in town, and we were talking about that getting older effect on being able to not apologize yes. for stuff. And she said, she was like, it's tenure. That's yeah. basically like, it's, that's what we've got now. We don't have to apologize for yeah. uh, like knowing what we know. That's true. And it's that's, true. it's funny how that creeps up on you. Yeah. It, 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 and I think creeps is a good word because yeah. <laughs> you don't, you just kind of look around and, and you just kind of have that moment of, oh crap, it is like right here. And I'm sitting in a room of, you know, 22 year olds yeah. and, uh, uh, I, I don't really care what color that is necessarily, you know, like this is the feeling right. Does it move things. me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I right, feel like right. there was a, a day that if I like had been paying attention, I could have marked the time where I went from being the youngest person in every room to the oldest person in every room. Yeah. And there was never a middle point. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway. But the, no, that's cool though, because that just shows like the longevity of that and, yeah. and why like design and art is important. Yeah. You know, and if you can stay that long in something that you're passionate about, then it means something. Yeah. yeah. There's so much cool stuff, though, in I, I had never even thought like so there are people that listen to the show that don't live in Cincinnati. Um, first of all, let's contextualize. DAP is the University of Cincinnati's design, art, architecture and planning yep. school, which is uh, a, a, an illustrious design school. I mean, it's a school that people from all over the nation are trying to get into. Right, right. And, and a great program. Yeah, and for me going there, it was kind of one of those things where I started in design and I kind of hated it at the time because I didn't just want to draw ABC all day. Right, right. And I didn't really know, now looking back to it, how important that is, I didn't really know what that meant. Those design fundamentals. Right. But then I transitioned over to, because I, I wanted to animate, I transitioned uh -huh. over into what was called just fine art at the time, mm -hmm. but digital media was kind of crafted in that because I didn't know what to do with it. Sure. So, you know, I had a professor, Denise Burge, um, she's amazing, and she, she was just like, go ahead and make those thick lines, you know, it's okay, you know, right and like, you know, a lot of those kind of professors would be like, there's no, just, you know, thick black lines. And I don't know that, that really kind of allowed me to sort of open up to, you know, the blending of like animation style and, and graphic styles and those kind of thing and fine art. And, you know, I use those things every day now, yeah. 20 years later, and yeah. it's important to have, you know, find those mentors and coaches, even if they don't know it. Like she probably doesn't even know know that now. That that was big to you. Yeah, that right. I'm still thinking about those in those terms, you yeah. know, which is great. And I think everyone needs to like, e even if you're not in the moment and know that, but just figure those kind of things out as you go. Yeah. Like who who is that you can kind of look look toward? Well, kind of part things. of what's in that is that uh, the style, design ethos, art ethos, what you were attracted to in 2001. Maybe people are saying that's not what's happening right now, but like everything comes back around. So does it's, I mean, even now the music that I enjoy and made and inspired me, like mm -hmm. the whole Seattle stuff, yeah. you know, when, when I was in my late nineties, like kids love that now. And yeah. I, and I go and I see a band, you know, on a Thursday night here in town at your whatever, uh, watering hole, like they're playing that music and yeah. I'm, it, that really excites me. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's funny. I was also thinking, like, uh, people, again, if you're not from Cincinnati, certainly people know 2001, but they may not know what happened in Cincinnati in 2001, which is that there yeah. were riots, like, what, we're at 6th Street, so seven blocks north of us here on 13th, yep. 13th and Republic, which basically had the result of sort of emptying out 
a lot of downtown and over the Rhine, that was where the, the real white flight, like, right. you know, it was already happening because the jobs were dying, but that like made this whole area supposedly unsafe. And it took 15, 10, 15 years for the people on the West side to realize like everything's okay. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there was one spot, one like little coffee bar shop called Caldi's yeah. that we would go to. Uh, and I, 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 I probably saw you in there. I mean, probably like, that just, you know, it, it that was like the, one of the only places it, it felt like safe to go and play music and see yeah. and see friends. But I remember the night of the riots, maybe might might have been the second night. We were driving down, and my band had a show there, and I had my my window cracked down. I remember getting hit with like a tomato from a kid, <laughs> and I looked over and I'm like the parents like yeah, and I'm like no, we're here to play music. Like there's no, yeah, we don't you know it's not like we don't care about this. Like we we. But we're, here to we're, do it. we're part of the community. Yeah, right, you know? right, right. So, I, you know, that was another eye-awakening thing. And, but I had and no, it was just, I didn't live here then. I, I moved here later and I didn't even think about like the impact that that would have. Because in the 90s yeah. in Cincinnati, again, I wasn't here, but they were, you know, bands like the Afghan Wigs and the oh, Ass Ponies yeah. and Over the Rhine and, yep. and like a really strong music scene. For sure. And then kind of like an emptying out of that for yep. a long, long time, for like a decade where it seemed like the the emptiness of downtown during that decade sort of paralleled like the emptiness of the arts and music scene. So true. We lost our way here and yeah. what it means to to create and to rely on artists to help guide a community. I mean, there yeah. was none of that. And, and you know, once there's a void, then there's an opportunity, right? Yeah, right so all right. those things kind of started to happen. But it really did take a while. I mean, you know, I think really, I guess you could say five, seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. right? It really was back, you know, yeah. and it's definitely back now. And now you're seeing all these little niches and, and things like that. And, and that's great too. But yeah. yeah, it took a while. I yeah. mean, there was a lot of, um, what are we going to do here? Yeah. We're right. But as a band, it's right in the middle of the country. You can go, you can go to Chicago, right. Nashville, any of these places within four or five hours. And it's perfect for bands. So I think... You know, with the art, there was a lot of bands that were like, well, we can get to our other shows here relatively quickly. As it, people kept, you know, going to Columbus and right. Cleveland, but, you know, bypassing. obviously. Yeah, bypassing. But but now I think, you know, if you have all these people, there's opportunity, right? So you just, you have to figure it out as a community. Yeah. And then that's not easy. Yeah. It's it's funny because people don't know. Uh, somebody described uh, to me, they said, like, Cincinnati is like lettuce. If you don't, if you don't come from Cincinnati then you don't you have no idea that it, that it even exists and what happens there so that for the rest of the country cincinnati they, their their picture was it's iceberg lettuce it has no flavor at all ah right right and and i think that was true before mm -hmm. i moved here which was 2005 i had no picture and then i move here and i'm somebody who cares about art and music and culture and i find out that it's one of the most important cities in america for, for soul music. And, yes, King um, Records, yes. Yeah, and like there's all this history here that people don't know about that, yeah. that goes into, and it's important not to gloss over the fact that like there was a massive gentrification problem that has happened parallel to the resurgence of the arts in downtown and over the Rhine. For sure, for sure. And that's, a, that's something that the city's still struggling with. But that process of living through this as an artist and sort of finding your way at a time where there was maybe an absence of mentors and an absence of examples, but also the opportunity to kind of make it whatever you wanted to make it. Yeah. Is a pretty important foundational time. It, it's so true. And, you know, whether you're impressionable or whatever you want to call it, 
you know, you're seeing all this stuff. It sinks in, yeah. you know, you're seeing those things. And, you know, for me now, I, I, I think of these like lost neighborhood heroes mm -hmm. and how I want to help bring those back to the surface. You know, things like Ezra Charles yeah. or King Records, these yeah. things that were important that, you know, what angers me a lot is the city doesn't know their history. Yeah. And yep. that is dangerous yep. because we need to know that. And, you know, a good, a good friend of mine, um, he's a, he was a session musician, played a lot in Nashville, toured a lot around the world, a bunch of different bands. He was from uh, Delaware, Andrew mm -hmm. Higley. And we went to school together. We were in bands here and stuff like that. Um, photography we were talking about earlier. Uh, but he said when he was growing up in Delaware, like they knew everything about history on the East Coast. He's like, I can tell you anything and everything yeah. that happened in our town. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that just kind of stuck with me because I'm like, man, it's, it's not true for everywhere else in the, no. in, in the country. About no, the knowing. stories get lost. Yeah. And to me, that's such a really important thing now with my work and, and yeah. my art and my design. And I guess it's like part of like it's part education, part history, part just telling a cool story, you yeah. know, and what that is. And there are people who are doing that. That's you know, I interviewed sure. Yemi on the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's doing the trying to get. But the thing is, Yemi and JP go back episodes. If you're listening to this and you don't know who I'm talking about, I don't know what episode it is off the top of my head. But Yemi Yetteron is one of the filmmakers who made the Queen City Kings documentary. Yes. Yep. But they're struggling to get it out. And I would think that would be something, it's beautiful. And I would th think that would be something that the city would be championing. Right, right. That the mayor would be trying to get. I mean, he's, he cares, says he cares about King Records and the legacy, that they would be trying to get stuff behind it. So it's just, you're right. Like the city doesn't seem to care about its own legacy in terms of the, you know, the murals are great. And yeah. I don't mean that. The murals are great. Oh, We've got a wonderful. lot of beautiful murals yeah. that celebrate the city's history, including totally. Ezra Charles and James Brown. Yes. But like, you got to put, the money where your mouth is in terms of telling the story and yeah. getting it out there. And I think it is education. You know, I yeah. think I think kids, you know, and that's part of the process of why we're doing the Ezra Charles, like world's first interactive bronze sculpture uh, at Laurel Park. One of those reasons is, you know, you can slap a sculpture up and that looks great and it's cool and it'll be there forever. But if you don't have some sort of programming with that to let yeah. kids know why this is important, why this is here in your neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, then it's not going to go anywhere. And, yeah. and I feel that's the same for, you know, what we're talking about with a lot of the important things that happen in this town. Yeah. And, you know, I know we all need to, uh, you know, have clean streets <laughs> and that's great. Sure. Um, you know, and, and, but part of the education is, is really knowing um, your history and yeah. you can put that and it's the same with like math and science. If you put it in terms where kids can have fun with it and be proud of that when they walk around and realize these things, like I could do that. Yeah. That's going to just, that's going to change perception. And, and 20 years from now, you know, our, our, our city will be the best, yeah. you know, it, right. it, it can be because of those tools, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. And it's and it's it's coming back up things like Blink that you were just involved in like there's a lot of great stuff happening now so let's let's like do a little connecting the dots you graduated from DAP what was your actual degree from DAP uh, Fine Arts BFA yeah. okay yeah so you're an artist this is this is a common a common problem <laughs> working in the agency world so many artists who are doing industrial design or product design or just advertising design and making banner ads because right. that's the only way that you can actually make a living. Yes, yeah. How did you, and you did that, you, oh, you yeah. worked in agencies and you did that stuff, but yeah. at a certain point you decided this doesn't satisfy me. Right. 
Um, where, how did that happen? And then how did you actually make the decision that you were going to do something other than, because the, the agency world is seductive. Yes. It pays well. Great word. You get yeah. to say that you work on these <laughs> giant brands. Yeah. You know, you get to say, well, I'm not painting my masterpiece, right. but I designed that national yeah. Clorox ad. You know, and all that stuff, I, I still get excited about, sure. right? Like, I think there is like, but that's such a great word because it, it, it lures you in and there's opportunity there. Mm -hmm. There's uh, plenty of work there. Yep. Um, and there's the, the steps to grow and mm -hmm. to kind of um, keep pushing forward. Uh, you know, but for me, it, I think it does kind of go back to this sort of like independent music kind of feel of that chip on your shoulder. Like, oh, I haven't made it. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I can see where that light is. Um, how do I get there? How do I get there? So for me, you know, I just kept raising my hand and asking, hey, can I do this for you? Can I do this for you? Uh, I had some friends um, who are killing it still. Um, Patrick, uh, for the Rack and Tours, mm -hmm. you know, he was with the Greenhorns. Love that band. Always watched them. Like, you know, they worked at the Comet, um, Little Jack, things like that. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, hey, can I do a poster? Can I do your website? You know, they get signed a third man. They're touring with Jack White. They're still yeah. in Jack White's band. It's, now, it's really their band, really. Yeah. I mean, they're the backbone of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's things like that. You just keep, you know, you keep raising your hand. Um, I can remember getting more work at night doing, like, posters and website stuff for, like, bands. Mm -hmm. And these other little things that started creeping in where I was like, all right, I don't, I have, a, I bought a house, but I don't have any kids. I don't have a lady. I don't have a significant other. So I'm just going to make this jump and I'm going to do it at my dining room table. And I knew I kind of had a little, I had like a month. I didn't have, you know, people sit there like, get your six months. No, I just had an opportunity where I was like, all right, I just feel like enough is enough. I worked on Prilosec for a whole year. I don't even have heartburn. Like we got to change something. So that was like that big, so the, big the big light that went off. And yeah. hey, you know, a lot of people need Prilosec. That's great. Use it. Cool. Whatever. Sure. Don't use it. Um, <laughs> but do, for me, do what you want. man, you know, I didn't know I was going to work on that for a whole year. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. Who knows? So I, I was able to just say, you know, and it was scary. Um, and from that, you know, I said I needed a, a weird, wild name in the animation world because all these little pop-ups were, were starting off with these like s small person shops that were crazy names. I was like, I need a crazy name. I got a little bit of Viking blood in me. You know, we become Vikings. Like everything in the design world is 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 you know like a brand that's coming forward. And the Vikings were the first to kind of put to turn the corn branding. And you know, branding's in everything from. The coffee you drink to who you vote for, it's you know, it's now. everywhere. Yeah. So I thought that was a weird name. It was, it's way too long. Uh, but, you know, like old ladies would remember that. So I was like, yeah. all right, we'll stick with that. And that kind of built, um, you know, a 12-year career uh, with that stuff till recently. Um, so and you stop, let's stop yeah, there for just yeah, a second. Yeah, sorry, people don't, no, no, no. I just want to <laughs> yeah. So you started a shop, and the shop was called We Have Become Vikings. Correct, yeah. And it was an independent uh design shop it wasn't just design it was production yeah it was anything i could kind of get my hands on you know a lot of it was doing like band stuff for friends yep um there was some branding stuff there but there's a lot of digital things too a, a right. lot of a lot of video and motion graphics a lot of motion graphics because that was a, a big passion of mine and so it was that did you make a break did you get out of the agency world in order to start that or were you doing both for a while well i was doing both i guess for like a year but okay. man that's just too hard to try to oh, get yeah. deadlines at night 
and then getting up in the morning and putting on that smile and everyone knows what's up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a little bit too before the whole Instagram stuff. Okay. So, you know, it, you, Facebook's there. So, you know, you want to post some things, but you're like, oh, somebody's going to get pissed off. They see this. So right, right. I guess that still happens, right? But, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was that was the break. I was like, all right, you know, um, I have enough couple video projects coming through the door that I can kind of uh, yep. pay for this house still. Yeah. Um, and and I bought the house up in Northside. A lot of my friends live there. Um, I live there. At, at that at that point, it was relatively affordable. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Stuff. Yeah, I was like, holy cow, no. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So you made the leap. You started uh, started. We have become Vikings. You're doing. You described it a little bit. You're doing design work, just standard, you know, branding and design yeah, work. But you're yeah. doing motion. You're doing poster design yeah. and, and production. Yeah. You you guys also did. Um, a really interesting, like, you're doing Ohio branding and Cincinnati tees and yeah, like yeah. S- sort of both like what, I, I don't know what the word would be, like more corporate branding, but also really accessible consumer branding type stuff. Right. You know, and a lot of that, it was, I look at the, the Robin Hood model, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to do some of those things for the proudest sex in the world, uh-huh. right? And order The ones to, that are going to pay the bills. Yeah. And, to, and it's always been that way, I feel like, even yep. with Robin Hood. To to get those things where um, you can pay to do some cool things for your friends, yeah, and that and you know that's where the that's where it's like okay, I, I'm the art director here. I don't have to yep. you know speak to anyone else here. We're just going to do have some fun and do some cool things. Um, but the reality of that stuff is it catches up with you too. So that balancing act is um, is is quite a juggling too. Mm-hmm. And I took on some projects. Um, you know, I just I, again raising my hand and not saying no, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you don't know where that next, you know, cup of coffee is going to come from, you just kind of go for it. Yeah. And that really opened some doors up to me. Um, and, and I was able to kind of hire some friends, um, to, to do some various different projects with that stuff. You know, I was able to kind of get out from my dining room table, which was awesome mm-hmm. to a spot down and over the Rhine. Yep. Um, so that was, that was a big sort of jump for me to kind of say, Hey, if I'm going to stay in Cincinnati, I want to have, I want to have a little uh, brick and mortar and, yeah, space. And, yeah, yeah. And try to figure that out. And you know, the first, the first year was such a blast, um, kind of not knowing what's going on and over the Rhine. And I mean, literally across the street on Vine street, there was like a bootleg car wash. It was like really <laughs> kind of awesome, but funny. And like, just, uh, every, I don't know, just all kind of things were happening at, at that time down there. And like, nothing was glossy yet. I yeah. feel like, yeah. um, which it, it certainly is now. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing was really glossy down there on 14th street, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was a, a lot of learning and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of like, Oh, now I got to keep books now. Math. Oh, yeah. we got we got to think about these things. You know, we got to think think about uh, how am I going to pay these people now, and and all that kind of stuff over ten years. Um, it's it's hard, yeah. uh, and it doesn't get any easier unless you hire the right people too. So, you know, I looked at I had mentors. You know, whether they know it or not, but like I kind of befriended Aaron Draplin, who's like you know a mega superstar in the design world. Another big guy. We we kind of uh, met up, and and we never really collaborated, but we've we've. Well, I guess my band collaborated with him um, at a couple talks, um, but it was those things where I, I, I looked. I looked at those guys. And I was like, "Man, we can do that stuff here. You know, you don't hmm. have to be on the coast to do those those big projects." And just keep asking, uh, raising your hand, asking, "Hey, I can do this. I can do this." Yeah. Uh, that led me to a pretty amazing opportunity. Um, 
to go to Amazon for a top secret project, mm -hmm. which I w worked on project B, which was the Amazon Fire Phone. Okay. Uh, I went back and forth for like a whole year. Couldn't tell anybody about it. Um, this, this was gonna be this phone with five cameras on it. It was gonna be this whole gaming, it was like a gaming phone, uh -huh. working with like 300 people to do this thing. It was just gonna be crazy, crazy madness. Um, but at the ninth hour, uh, uh, Bezos was like, nope, we're going to go Android with this thing. And, and no one bought it. And it was like, <laughs> I kind of came back from uh, wah, Seattle wah. with my tail. Like, oh, it's going to be cool. I ended up buying one because they didn't send me one or whatever. I, I just think everyone was like, <laughs> this thing sucks or whatever. But, you know, you just learn so much from those, yeah. like, opportunities but like how that. Do you, you know? How do you, as a, as a Midwest designer yeah. with a fledgling company, yes. how do you even get to throw your hat in the ring for that? Well, you know, the Internet, it's a crazy place. As we all know. Hey, that's the truth. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things. I could remember uh, pulling up email and finding all the agencies that I thought was cool and sending them my stuff. You know, not sending them some, like, crazy PDF that was yeah. would clog up their, you know, uh, email. But, like, sending them, like, hey, you know, and making it very personal. Like, hey, I followed your work. This is really cool. Um, I found not a contact, but someone there I could that would maybe read it. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably did hundreds of those. You know, just really digging in and and taking time to find out what these people did, what they, yeah. you know, what their passion uh, were at these different smaller agencies. And through that, I got connected um, with a woman in Austin named Roca. She's awesome. She kind of gave me an opportunity to kind of come down. Uh, work on F1 branding in Austin, which was a crazy nice. project. Uh, and then she flew me out, um, kind of set me up with Amazon. Uh, but, you know, you find these contacts just through, I found them just through email and just yeah. reaching out and saying, hey, like, I have time. How can, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even talking about money. I'm just like, how can I help you? I want to, like, do things outside of yeah. town, which, you know, I'm, we're sitting right now in this amazing space. And, and, I got, and this reminds me of another story I got to tell very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lightborn gave me an opportunity to go there and work, and I learned so much there. Um, but one day they called me up, uh -huh. and they were like, uh, "Hey, we got to let you go." And I thought I was going to like become an art director or something. Uh, you know, it's kind of cocky at the time, or whatever. <laughs> and it just like it crushed me. Um, but what I didn't realize was, man, them them saying, you know, we can't afford to have you on our staff right now, made me even work harder to kind of go and say, "Hey, I can do this." I can do this on my own as well. So those kind of like little, those little things of people telling you no are like, okay. Yeah. And I think sometimes we struggle with that because there, there is a lot of no. You know, there's a lot of people in the design world, you know, and you work for like a, even like a PNG or a Kroger, so many people are going to tell you no. Yeah. Until you get to the yes. Where does your confidence in that come from though? Because I think that's the thing, like, uh, that's why I probe into that a little bit is because say like raising your hand on stuff, Yeah. but you can't raise your hand if you don't have the confidence that you can actually wow. do the work. Yeah, that's and a- That's a hard thing to, to, oh to balance. Like, I think a lot of people, especially younger people, when you say, well, you just got to put yourself out there, yeah. don't know how to do it in a way that ultimately isn't kind of douchey and overconfident because they don't have the chops to back it up. And so how do you balance like humility and that approach that you said, yeah. what can I do? How can I help you with also believing in yourself that if somebody tells you no, that doesn't damage your belief in your, in your competence? You know, that is an awesome question. And I think if I really think about that question, you know, obviously you got to do the work, but everybody already knows that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's 
I, I'm not. I'm actually yeah. not sure everybody does. Like, well, and I don't mean to. <laughs> do I, the I'm work. not going to say millennials <laughs> this or whatever this, but I mean it comes down to you got to do the work. Yeah. But for me, I think it was having another passion. Hmm. It was, you know, we, call it side hustle, call it whatever. You know, being on stage with just a mic in your hand mm -hmm. or a guitar in your hand that gives you confidence. Hmm. Going and speaking in front of people, you know, dropping that curtain and allowing for mistakes. Where, you know, in design world, you can kind of, you can be in an island, you can kind of, you can hide your, right. what, what do you want to call that? You can hide your, your, um, your goods, you know, you can yeah. and do your thing. Um, and then Lean go, Lean into hey. what your strength is and. Yeah. And then you go, yeah. here's a shiny package. Look, uh -huh. this, I just whipped it out. Like, no, uh, no, 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 no. Uh -huh. Like you're working on that stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that you have to take into account. But I feel like the confidence to be able to say, hey, um, I make great work and check this out. Like, I feel good about it. And, hmm. you know, the whole not being douchey about it, too, that's a whole other thing. Like, there's a, there's a lot of that, too, because, you know, maybe you're, you're faking it or, or whatever. There's, or you're relying on other, other things um, that are beyond whatever. Um, but I feel like when I see other people have these other passions that sort of ladder up to that creative I don't know. They're just it, there's just more meat on the bone there. Yeah. And I've always find like just putting myself out there like in a band or something like that. And I know you you know about that mm -hmm. where it's like just you're putting creative out there and it could fail. Yeah. Um, that builds that builds confidence. Taking the risk. Very very quickly. I yep. feel like yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. I I feel like um, uh, I have a, a chip on my shoulder against specialization. Ah, um, and yeah. it's my own, it's my own deal, but that, that, <laughs> and I think often if you hear people talk about building your own business, you're going to see a lot of answers that are out there that like put all your thing into this one thing. Right. And the fact that you're saying, no, put your thing in a number of things, develop confidence overall about yes. who you are, learn to fail in one area so that yeah. you're not terrified of failure in another. That's such a great answer. It, well, thanks. And I, and it's just true. Um, you know, we, we were talking a lot about this is like the other side of the coin, but like Jeff Bezos, right? in Amazon, that guy, you know, and, and right now we're talking a lot about electric cars mm -hmm. and electric vehicles and what's next for that stuff. Um, as a part of my day job without giving too much away. Um, but what's crazy about that is we, we talk about this whole thing that, you know, Jeff Bezos isn't just putting a bunch of money in one no. Electric car company. He is going to spread that thing out and say, see which horse wins. Yep. So I think that same that same thing can kind of, you know, if you're creative and you have ideas, people are looking for you, mm -hmm. and you do need to raise your hand, and you need to be confident. And I think if if you have if you're doing a lot of other things, and that's what you know, we talked earlier about kids playing sports. Yep. I get angry now. And, you know, my, my kid's only five months old, but I get angry when, like, the society puts pressure on kids to play one sport. Yeah. And they got to be great at it. No. And you got to do it all. You got to do it full. Every season is that sport. I'm like, no way. Like, yeah. let them breathe. Let them fail. Let them go try um, field hockey, you know, volleyball, baseball. You know, man. Do like, it you all. You just don't know. You yeah. can't. Yeah. You, so putting all the eggs in a basket. Man, what if what if you're unhappy in a year? Like right. that's going to be terrible. You no, know? that's I. We that's what we were talking about. I got a kid who's trying to make decisions about college. Yeah, and I want to tell him like, a, maybe don't go to college. Right. Like maybe go experience three or four years worth of stuff and travel the world and see what's out there before you make decisions that are going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars oh about gosh. what you want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's illustrative of 
like how we all get so myopic about I got to do this thing. And you used mm -hmm. the word uh, hustle earlier. So much, especially if you're working for yourself in any capacity, so much of it comes down to the hustle. Yeah. And I think people think that the hustle is my social media presence or, mm -hmm. you know, my like singular focus on this thing. When it, but when you look at like what makes people successful, it's putting themselves out there in a number of ways. Yeah. Bezos is a great example. Google does the same thing. Like, um, you know, they're, they're launching hundreds of shitty products. Right, right. In the hopes that one will break through. Yeah. And if one does on the scale that they do it, then they make money off yeah. it. So they can afford for Google Wave and Google Buzz and Google <laughs> Trash Can to fail. <laughs> right. Um, because they've got their, you know, individuals can do that too. Yeah. And I think that diversity of experience and capability makes you, as a musician, it's a very simple, like as a guitar player, I become a better guitar player if I learn to play piano because it triggers different parts of my brain. So the way true. That I think about music differently. So true. In anything that we do, diversifying your skill set yeah. makes you better at the thing that is your core. Yep. If you have a thing. Well, I went back and I said, you know, there's all this awesome technology with tablets and things now. Um, I, I want to go back and, and draw a lot. Hmm. And for me, you know, I kind of, I've always had it there, you know, sitting there and doing a little bit, but now you're seeing like these challenges like Inktober and all these kind of uh -huh. things, yeah. like, you know, which I'm behind in right now. It's okay. Uh, blink <laughs> happened. But, you know, it's these like little, these like little tasks, like that's the hustle. Yeah. It's like giving yourself these little tasks to do like daily. Right. Like, you know, call up a friend or reach out or, or you know, take that cup of coffee, you know, run down the street and see, see that performance, you know, go in that smoking bar, that smoky bar or whatever, and see that show. Those are the, like, that's almost the hustle. Like, that's so it's, good. it's not, it's not like, like you said, with the social media or making sure that you got 10,000 followers. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. And that's awesome. Sure. And we all, like, we all want that. It's part of the business these days too. Yeah, but, of course. But that's, no, that's so yeah. good. I mean, I was, uh, my, my two year old is sick. So we were up at like three o'clock in the morning and then I couldn't, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> yes, I'm thinking about this book that I want to write. And to hear even you say that right now, that the hustle is make the phone call. The hustle yeah. is do a doodle or a sketch. The hustle is actually sit down and write yeah. and develop your craft. Cause those are hard. Like that's hard. Like yeah. being, being consistent. Consistency is hard. Hmm. That, that, that's what I feel like because you, you get to a comfort place and you're like, I got that. I can always do that. And that's cool. But that doesn't, I don't think that's consistency. Consistency is like always doing something well, I feel like, you yeah. know, and, and that, that means you got to kind of change a little bit and keep right. at it and doing those, all those little things that kind of add up um, to that bigger picture. Yeah. Develop those new muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's hard always like trying to make that phone call or make those things. Cause I mean, life, Hey, it's busier than ever. There's there's more toys to look at and there's yep. flashy lights everywhere. More things and, clamoring for your attention. And, and that's why I think like these things where you can actually have uh, conversations and, and talk to humans, like that makes it even just so much more important. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, uh, this may be a little bit of a strange question. I want to talk about the word design. Like there's so much, there's two, two words that like are kind of centers of your world. One is design and one is branding that are so loaded. Yeah. Right yeah, now. Yeah. What do you think? You started out as an artist. As, a, as an artist in the commercial world, you're going to get into the design world. Design can be product design. It can be corporate branding. It can be sketching. 
Right. Um, it can also uh, be design thinking and a, yeah. a way of approaching work. Right. So, like, how are you thinking? You started out as an artist. You started out drawing Star Wars drawings in yeah. your room. Now, when you think about your work and about the design aspect of your work, do you think about it in a in a meaningfully different way, or is it still at the mm. core? No, it's a great question because you know, design for me, um, it, it has to like cross barriers. It has to be a, a little bit of difference. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, art's not design, design's not art. I don't know why it can't be. You know, I think there's, there's always going to be clients that are going to like pay you more or pay you less. And I think that's art and design. I mean, it's like a, there's a scale of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes your family members are the hardest to work for, whether it's <laughs> art or design, and it could be easier than the biggest client sometimes. So, you know, I think for me, I'm always trying to get back to being that kid in my room mm-hmm. and, and sketching and drawing. And I'm still thinking about that in terms now. Um, but I really feel like it comes down to the ideas. And, and I think the biggest companies in, in the world want to pay for big ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think someone who can sketch even just a little bit or has like nice handwriting, there's something that, I don't know, I trust that person more. You know, I know that seems weird, but it's like, if you can do something with your hands, like, like I, I don't know. Um, is that craft? Is that- yeah, maybe that is craft. Because, you know, I, I look at certain artists or designers who maybe, you know, are great storytellers, but maybe can't um, put it down to a piece of paper or shoot a photo of it or, or do something. And not to say writing isn't a craft, but even mm-hmm. just like handwriting it. Like to me, that's like a craft in there. You're getting, you're not yep. just typing or saying it in a Siri or mm-hmm. something like that. To me, there has to be a craft element to it. I mean, ideas are amazing and people pay big money for that. But if you can't articulate that, yeah. um, and I'm trying to get better at that every day because that's the branding, right? You have to be able to articulate your idea and why does this this little mark mean everything for yeah. your company? Yeah. I mean, that can be hard to really um, sell that idea as an artist to um, a big company, right? Because they don't get it or they don't see it. But if you can pull out a piece of paper and sketch with them, mm-hmm. it, it's just like everything opens up, you know? Right. So yeah. yeah, there's something about whether it is, like you said, whether it's writing or whether it's the design, whether it's, telling that story yeah. in words or, you know, on paper. It's like, how are you physically engaging somehow with the idea? Yeah, just like even like a scrap of paper or a whiteboard, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Uh, we had a client the other day that um, came in and he's kind of a mad scientist. And he's like, do you have a whiteboard? And he just started drawing this like technology and we lost it. We're like, this is where it's at. Like, man, if somebody that you yeah. know, that runs a company can do that. Like, why can't we all, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. tell a story or have a note, you know, and do these, these little things, keep field notes, whatever that is, right. you know, those, those kind of, you know, and that's why that becomes even so, so uh, important as, as we progress as society, because all this stuff, digital technology around us is, it's so easy to be like, Hey Siri, remind me, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you don't write it, it's like, you're writing it down, you're sketching it now to remember it later, mm-hmm. you know? Like mm-hmm. you, you might not even go back to that right. book, but you're gonna, you know, your subconscious works crazy and you're gonna remember it in what you sketched or wrote like yep. in your brain later. So that's just, I don't know, I feel like that helps me yeah, kind yeah. of keep things like in line. What do you think about, um, I, I often uh, think about the concept of branding, which is sort of hand in hand with design in this context. Do you think that 
branding the way that we talk about it and understand it now, especially people in the advertising world. <laughs> How am I going to phrase this? Is is damaging it's, us it's culturally? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, because it, I mean, it is the, the importance of it. Yeah, it's almost it can kind of get silly. Well, it it it, it lessens the impact of where it's needed and when it's done well. Mm. And then it also pollutes these things that don't have any business. When oh. you get people talking about, like, in corporate culture and offices, people's personal brand. And, yeah, you know, right. I mean, it's just buzzwords, right? Well, of course. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's all this jargon. Yeah. I, I, lo- I, I love branding. I love a little mark that represents mm-hmm. this whole large thing. I do love that. Um, I think it, can, it gets a little goofy, though, when everything has to, has to have a brand. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes just the activations and the interactiveness of, you know, whether it's a space uh, that ladders up to a brand. I mean, those are those are more important. That's what's making that little mark important is right. all the things that you put in this too. Right. That really make that incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the importance of that, you know, it, yeah, I mean, there's depending on probably who you talk to, there's, there's so many levels that, that it can be um, this great, amazing thing, or it can just be trash, you yeah. know? And sometimes when I just see like a nice form and it's simple and my mom can draw it, like, wow, they really, they nailed it. That's great. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when it like ladders up to, like it's some, you know, crazier mark, and it ladders up to someone's like, you know, personal thing of belief and this is their line of products. I just, I don't know. Sometimes that's a little... Yeah. Goofy, and then you start talking about like, is a company a person? Person coming in, and I don't, that stuff is just like kind of yeah. out of control with things, you oh, know. Absolutely, <laughs> it's like, sure, you know, you want to put your name on it, but you know, what's the Tommy Boy line about? Like the, I can slap a guarantee on a box of, you know, I don't know. It's all you get a guaranteed box of whatever, you right? Know, it doesn't, change, like doesn't yeah. change what's in it. <laughs> right, right. No, I, yeah, just in, in terms of like finding, we talk about the show is, you know, finding meaningful work and it's yeah. like, there's something antithetical to this overemphasis on, on branding Yeah, that is a, that it becomes, and it's, it, the irony is that good, what, what you just described, a great brand mark and really good branding has all of this meaning underlying it that, oh, yeah. that you don't have to explain. Right. But what it's become is that if I slap a mark on this, then it's a shortcut to doing all of the thinking. The thinking. Yeah. Wow. That's. Yeah. That's 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 a big one right there. That's actually, the thinking of that is crazy. You know, because, I mean, I do that every day, right? Like trying to come up with. Yeah. You know, and for me too, I feel like strategy becomes way more important than even the brand mark anymore. Like, and I, I don't think as sort of a design society or whatever you want to call that, the community of design. Um, like that's sort of like the, the, the secret sauce is, is strategy. Mm-hmm. And like, what is the meaning behind that? And how can you push that? What's the story there? Cause that's really what you're looking at. Strategy is story. Like what's the yeah. story there? Like, yep. what, what does this mean? How does this mean? And you know, man, good writers can kind of find a way for anything, okay. but when it's done well and the people that are running those companies, it could be the smallest company to the largest company. If they really are about that, then it'll, it'll make that shine, you yeah. know? And I, I, I think now, again, with technology, you can kind of see through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but still, even when you can see through some of this stuff, people still, you know, still people latch on to some of that stuff and, and champion it. Tastes just like the real thing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, you know, maybe it's just like us as being creatives, we can kind of see through that more. But I, I hope as a society, we, we 
are better yeah. than that. Well, know? it seems like, you know, to me that comes back to whether it's music or branding or design or writing, does it have a soul? Yes. Like, is there any yeah. actual soul in it? Right. Is there, you scratch below the surface, is there anything actually yeah. there? And you, if you're looking for that, you can sense that. Yeah. And that's in the, the craft of design. That's being able to draw a line meaningfully. Yeah. Like. A meaningful line. I like that. I like <laughs> that. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's writing and that's, yeah. uh, you know, design. That's great. Well, let's talk about like the evolution of your, of your work now. Because you started, we have become Vikings. Yeah. And then you recently, I don't, I, I don't want to get the words wrong, sold, uh, sold it yeah, or merged yeah. with yep. the LDG. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Um, so you, you'd created this business, you're creating a name. And then now you've merged with or been subsumed by or whatever. <laughs> yep. You tell me what the right thing yeah. is. But you, you went through a transition of that business. Transition, What, what yeah. happened and how did, that, how did that come about? Yeah, well, you know, building We Become Vikings for, you know, I think it was 12 years. Um, a lot of things crossed the plate that, that was hard. Um, <laughs> some were easy, some were hard. Uh, the things that I kept tripping up on were... Things like payroll, taxes, um, bookkeeping. I just felt like I never got that right. You mean as an artist, you weren't just oh naturally falling into it, all this? It just drove me crazy. You know, and we talked a little bit earlier about um, the whole thing of like chasing down clients. Mm -hmm. and, and that's hard because, you know, sometimes you just want to cook. Sometimes you just want to yeah. make stuff, you yeah. know? And that tripped me up a lot too, like just chasing, even chasing down checks. Like, you know, hey, I rushed to get this done for you. Can't you... Not well, even yeah. just, can you get the check over? You know, like, <laughs> come on, I got bills to pay. Um, you know, becoming other, like, companies' banks, yeah. like, that's hard. That's hard for a designer. Um, and then I found out that I was having a kid. Uh, so we planned on that. It was, it was awesome and amazing. And all this stuff kind of, kind of to, my brain started thinking about, like, what's, what's the best future for mm. Vikings uh -huh. and, and my team? I mean, Phil, Matt, you know, Guys that I've had for the last few years, um, you know, I want those guys to have health health care. Like, mm -hmm. that's important stuff. They yeah. want to buy houses. Like, right. I want to give them security. And, you know, I talked to Jay uh, Becker at, and his wife Kate at BLDG a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, always, you know, we always kind of pitched for work against each other. Um, sometimes we'd win, sometimes we'd lose. Um, always loved being involved with a lot of their... Um, studio shows that they had. Mm -hmm. So I kind of did a lot of painting and illustration for stuff. We collaborated on a few projects. Um, they, they, they said, hey, our door's open. We'd love to work with you. The timing wasn't right. I, beginning of the year, um, uh, I just said, hey, Kate and Jay, I think the time's right. I'm having mm -hmm. a kid. You know, I want to bring my team over. You guys are great. We, I have this other big project we can't do just by ourselves. Right on. Um, and it's with like, it's, it's with a, a car company and I can't, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So he helped, they all helped, uh, pitch it together. We won it. Um, and I said, let's transition this over. And I know my wife's going to like this a lot better. <laughs> I need my weekends back. Uh -huh. Um, and, and yeah, it's been great so far. You know, we're definitely still in the honeymoon stage, but I, I love it. So much creative energy over there. Uh, Covington's like this weird, like little Brooklyn to Cincinnati. Uh, there's a lot of great things going on there. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm learning a lot there as far as like, I don't know Covington. I want to know its history. I want to dig into that stuff. This is a town in Kentucky right across the Ohio River from Cincinnati. I mean, if that building wasn't there, we could probably see it. Correct. correct. Um, but it's basically within the Cincinnati metro. Yeah. And, and BLDG is a, it's a design 
shop. Yeah, a lot of heavy on branding. They do. They have. They have processes. They have strategy. They have twenty right. some people there. I didn't have that. Yeah. You know, we had a bunch of sort of like rebels that we we held our hand up. And we're like, let's go battle. Let's go. <laughs> let's go figure this stuff out. Um, love that passion. Able to bring that passion to them. You know, bringing kind of clients together too that now actually kind of can do more. Yeah. The clients I had with three or four people now with 20. So I think, you know, to quote Michael Scott, it's a win, win, win situation. <laughs> right now. It's a lot of fun. You know, um, it's, it's really interesting, uh, you know, the design world to kind of see, uh, you know, how people, how different people do different things. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think there's some learning curves with different things with that. And, and, you know, not every day is perfect, but I, I'm really looking forward to, to the opportunity of a, of a new challenge that, you know, Hey, I don't have to go and fight yeah. and scream at a client every day. Now, now I go, Jay, you can do that. And he's right. like, all right, he's better at it than I am. So, well, it's cool because there, <laughs> you know, there's seasons to all of that stuff. And it's like, you've been being that solo entrepreneur and then creating a place for a handful of people to come. And now you've broadened the opportunity to them. And now you yeah. get to sort of like actually sit back and be a designer and a creative director again and not yeah. have to worry about all that crap for a little while. Yeah. And, and what's really cool is I'm starting to see, that we, as we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. that sort of mentoring and coaching will yeah. kind of come back. Yeah. And now I'm seeing things where like younger kids are coming to Cincinnati, coming to Covington, Newport, surrounding areas of, of Cincinnati to say, hey, there's opportunity here again. Mm -hmm. And what are these little shops doing here in town? And there's, you know, it's really kind of cool to, you know, look at a, a younger designer and, and give them a, a little sprinkling of, hey, maybe go in this direction. And then you see this like crazy, amazing thing. And you're like, man, this is, that's what it's about, you know. Right on. Getting yeah. that satisfaction, not necessarily just from your own work. Yeah, it's like a team. A, a team. Yeah, I've been yeah. on an island a lot in the last, you know, mm. decade with stuff, good and bad. Mm. Um, you know, was able to work a lot with like artworks and, and the kids there to do murals and seeing that. Yeah. You know, that's when you see a team of a kids on a wall painting a mural and you're like, oh my gosh, if I was 16, like I would have loved to do yeah. that for a summer. You know, but those opportunities in Cincinnati that are here, um, that I think, you know, creatives now are taking advantage of, uh, you know, and the, and, the, and the companies here know that, hey, we got to do creative stuff to keep them in town or it's going to go back to where yeah, it was, yeah, right. you know, so yep. it's an investment by, by, the, by the big coast here too. And, you know, a lot of startup stuff happening. Yep. Um, and I think we're still all trying to figure out processes with that stuff, but I'm really seeing like the design community, especially with like Blink, mm -hmm. being able to come together and, and figure out some really cool stuff that, yeah, I, you know, gets like even my parents excited. You know, right. so that's cool. We, we we should explain a little bit uh, what Blink is for people that weren't here. Although, apparently, you were all here because <laughs> there were something like seven million people, like you know, downtown. Now, it's it was crazy. like a million and a half or two million people or whatever. Blink is I don't even know how to sum it up. Blink is 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 it was the second year this year. It just ended two or three weeks ago. Yeah, and it's uh, an interactive art and yeah there's lots of projection mapping throughout the whole town i don't even yeah i don't know how to describe it i'm sure they have their language down yeah i mean it's more than just like a light festival there's a parade um there's lots of different like art and design um communities involved um yeah. from like grade school mm -hmm. like with parades and stuff to you know seasoned veterans doing like projection mapping murals are going up lots of big names in like the well, mural community. You kind of spearheaded a lot of, I mean, so Blink was an outcome of, or an offshoot of 
um, Luminosity, which yeah. happened for a few years here in Cincinnati. Right. And you were, to my knowledge, so Luminosity was a, a location-based, it was in, originally was in one place. Yep. And, uh, Music Hall. Yep. Projecting, doing projection mapping on Music Hall, which is the huge historic Cincinnati performance space for the symphony and for the ballet. Yep. Amazing stuff. The Charlie Harper stuff yeah. that, that you did. Thank you. I mean, just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. And we'll link to... Um, I'm sure there's stuff out there on the web. I'll find some YouTube stuff or whatever, and we'll link to it on the website because this is stuff that you got to see. And then Luminosity became sort of morphed into this this less specific location-based and more all-throughout-the-city-based right. projection mapping and art festival yeah. that is just mind-blowing. It's pretty crazy that, um, you know, to be able to work with uh, Steve and Dan at Bray Berlin early on with this stuff and still to kind of be invited back mm. to do... Uh, a lot of the projection mapping stuff. Um, and it's storytelling, right? Yeah. And for my piece this year, it was called Alien Addy. It was all about um, things that happen in Cincinnati because of aliens. If you've ever seen Ancient Aliens, it's kind of a homage to that, but also like looking at uh, like what makes things great is because aliens were here long before we were. Uh, so kind of tongue in cheek, a lot of fun, a lot of like big bright colors, animation stuff with that. Uh, but yeah, you know, kind of and those, what's funny is those two guys got me my first agency job at FRCH down there. So, nice. like, we've kind of been, you know, this love affair back and forth the, <laughs> throughout the years, uh, loving their work um, and still just kind of, uh, you know, being able to collaborate. And that's the key, right? You know, and, and a lot of people talk about collaboration in the, in the design world. Um, but I think Cincinnati is really um, starting to do a great job at that, being able to get, you know, artists, designers, um, painters together to, to create something bigger than themselves, mm -hmm. whether it's even a weekend project to um, something that takes, you know, millions of dollars to pull off yeah. like a blank. But uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to kind of, um, you know, get recognized and, and, and yeah. be a part of that stuff for sure. What's cool that I see, and it parallels your story, is I see Cincinnati in the agency world, you know, pitching for, for big business, we would always hear like the Midwest nice moniker, you know, it was difficult to punch up and, and win those big accounts. Now I see Cincinnati moving out of that place of sort of the insecurity of we don't know who we are. Yes, we maybe aren't paying as much attention to our history as we should and to our legacy, but even right. that is coming back. Yes. And now just being like, no, we can do great work. We can do kick-ass work. Yeah. We can do something that draws people from all over the place. And it also, um, uh, it's really funny because you were talking about like that bold line style. Yeah. Like so much of what I'm seeing now visually coming through, not just in Blink, but all over the place is this sort of bringing back of older illustration-based styles and styles of, of visual art that have soul to them yeah. that couldn't be just generated by an algorithm, but they right. need, to be, need to be drawn and created by a person. Yeah. And it seems like those things, just like music comes back around, design comes back around, and you're seeing a lot of that filtering its way back into the visual design community and what people are like really having an appetite for in their art. Yeah, it has to. I mean, it, it, things have to come back around again to realize yeah. the importance of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the history of that stuff, we're starting to understand, you know, like King Records, it's not just, it's not just you know, James Brown. There right. was hundreds, literally yeah. hundreds of artists that made great work that changed the dynamic of black and white America yeah. to create not just rock and roll, but other genres of music. And it's, 
it's just insane. There's not a whole, you know, talking to, uh, real quickly, talking to Otis Williams from Otis Williams and the Charms, he described to me how when he was dancing on stage for like the first time, kids were looking at his eyes, but they're looking at his feet, looking at his eyes, looking at his feet, and he's <laughs> inventing choreography. I yeah. mean, this happened here. This is a high school kid, right, you know, right. like, uh, uh, Withrow High School here. I mean, that's, that's insane, you know, number one hit. But those things happen here. And yeah. I try to fuse that, those great history and stories back into my art because that gets me excited. And I think if I get excited, you know, somebody else will, you know. Yeah. And hopefully somebody else will see that and want to do, get inspired by or pay for it yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know. So, like, Which is all the important. stuff that keeps it going. And yeah. you, were, you were talking about the kids who are, you're being a mentor for now. I mean, I know, I know two kids, Henry Heist, who was working with the artwork stuff, who's participated in a lot of those murals. Yeah. Who's a 17-year-old who went to school with my son, who's now like finding a place for his art, awesome. and and uh, one of uh, his best friends, Owen Gunderman, who maybe I shouldn't, he's he's a he's a street artist. He's doing amazing stuff. You can follow him. I'll link to his Instagram. He would love that. He, nice. he goes by the name Tenzing for his, oh, his man. street art. He blew up. He blew he up at Blink. Yes. Yeah. His stuff is great. Yeah, and it's, it's this good. kid that I knew when he was in third grade. I didn't know that. That's so awesome. Yeah, and he's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sending him messages on Instagram. Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I love that that the community like saw this kid yeah. and was like, get up here, do yeah. it. Yeah. And he was and he's working with he his wasn't idols like, now. uh, maybe not. He jumped right in and did it. Yeah. And that is like, that's that's Cincinnati because that is like a little chip on the shoulder, but like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm not in New York, but I'm going to jump up. I'm going to do this. I'm seeing my friends and they, you know, they literally held him up. I know, they I saw won. That. Like that's, it's so you sweet. know, like the, the secret, the secret wall guys are awesome. Um, yeah. and I was able, fortunate enough to, to talk to, um, like the London police, uh-huh. Gallo, some of these guys who invited him up there afterwards. And they're like, they were just as excited to do that yeah. with, with him as he was. So I, that was a that was a big highlight for Blank for me seeing that. With, I love with him. it. It's so good. It brings it all back around. It's so cool, man. This is this has been wonderful. I love your story. I love getting a little insight into oh, what thank you're doing. You. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate you uh, taking the time on a on an early Thursday morning and coming out for a cup of coffee. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, buddy. Thank you. Awesome. This episode of The Distiller was recorded live at Fausto, serving West Coast-inspired, locally-sourced seasonal fare inside the Cincinnati Contemporary Arts Center at 44 East 6th Street in downtown Cincinnati. Thanks to Fausto's Jamie Clemento for inviting us in and our server Brooklyn for taking great care of us. Fausto is open for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and the setting inside the amazing CAC, which is one of my favorite places in Cincinnati, can't be beat. We'll link to Fausto and the CAC's websites and social media pages on our website. Stop by, say hi to the crew, and tell them you heard it on The Distiller when you do. Huge thanks to my guest Jason Snell for sharing his work with us. Jason's creative work spans genres from his client work with BLDG to his art to his band, Ohio Knife. We've got links to as much of it as we could track down on our website at thedistillerpodcast.com, where you'll also find links and information about Blink, about the local street artist Tenzing that we talked about at the end of the show. And all of that, along with photos by Angie Lipscomb of our time together, is on our website at thedistillerpodcast.com. The Distiller is produced, recorded, and hosted by me, Brandon Dawson. Our show is mixed and edited by Justin Golden. Logo development by Scott Ryan. Design video work by Mike Helm of Minute Moments Pictures. 
You can find The Distiller wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen and download every episode of The Distiller at thedistillerpodcast.com, where you'll find links, photos of the guests, and a map of all the show locations. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell someone about it. Follow, like, and share our posts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to help us make more of these episodes, just click the Become a Patron button on our website for more information. We do want to say a sincere and enduring thanks to our existing patrons. Thank you for helping us make The Distiller a reality. And finally, please take a second to rate and review The Distiller wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Brandon Dawson. Thank you for listening to The Distiller. Bye-bye.